welcome to episode 109 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to stop laughing about the meta jokes that happened in that last game. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about party games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, Legacy, Quest for a Family Treasure, and Bites. Then, we revisit a topic we haven't discussed in a few years, party games. And now, here are your hosts. Ambie, and Crystal, and our special guest and loyal Blitzketeer, friend and patron of the show, Pam. Yay! One quick announcement before we hop into the main episode, and that is that we are doing a little mini giveaway. We had an anonymous benefactor who did not want to be named basically give us a copy of Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion that they wanted to give away to one of our listeners. So that could be you. And all you have to do to enter is email us, boardgameblitz at gmail.com with the subject line, Gloomhaven. And in the body of the email, put your name and your mailing address, and then just put something that you like about the podcast. It can be simple or complex or whatever you want, but just something that you think will make us smile. And we will select a winner in the near future, and we will contact that person by email. This giveaway is limited to North America only. We apologize that this one's not international, but if you live in North America, you are eligible. So enter now and good luck. Maybe you could win a copy of Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion and a special thank you to our anonymous benefactor for donating that to us. Recently, I got sent a review demo copy of Legacy Quest for a Family Treasure, which is a game that's currently on Kickstarter. This is a, an escape room style game. It's not time, so it's like one of those detective style games where you're solving something and it has the internet and physical components that you get. I've played a few of those in the past, so I, I like this type of game. But the demo that I got only has the second half of it. There's two parts to the game, Eiffel 1889 and Hellas 2019. And so I got the Hellas 2019 part. So I played this just by myself. Uh, it uses a lot of components that are pretty neat. I didn't have the final components yet because it was just a prototype, but it was mostly final. There's like some photographs, some letters on like nice paper. There's a map and some charms, like metal charms. And so that was pretty neat that all the components used together and they were used for different puzzles. And one thing that I thought was really interesting about this game was that a lot of times when in escape rooms or escape room type games, each component is just used once for a puzzle, but in this one, you could possibly reuse components. So you, you always want to keep them and like keep that in the back of your mind of something that you might need for the future. And so that was pretty neat. Like I would have something and, and use it, but then maybe use it again later. And that was, that was really interesting. Also, it uses the internet. And sometimes I don't like when games use the internet because it's way too open-ended and then I'm not sure like what's happening. But in Legacy, or at least for the part, the second part that I did, it didn't need too much of the internet and it was always like clear what I was trying to solve, I think. So I didn't have to like Google a bunch of random stuff or do detective work on the internet. There was like a website and some clues on the internet on that website, but it didn't stray too far from that into the real world, which I like. I also didn't mention what the theme of the game is, but the theme works really well. The theme is your 
questing for a family treasure. <laughs> like the name of the game. <laughs> but <laughs> so one of your ancestors has just passed away and they left a letter saying like, this is in my will, you're, there's this th- treasure for you to find and I left a lot of puzzles for you to find it and you have to work with your cousin. And so you're like finding that and there's a map and I can't tell you too much about it because of spoilers, but but I think the theme worked really well and the puzzles were pretty thematic and the components also were pretty thematic. So I, I really liked how it was put together and I had a lot of fun playing it. There were a couple of difficulties with some of the puzzles, like some of them were a little confusing and some of the physical parts were a little uh, little difficult to solve, but I think that might be better with the actual full components because because mine was just a demo copy. So Legacy Quest for Family Treasure is currently on Kickstarter. The first part, Eiffel 1889, is actually longer than the one I did. So mine lasted, maybe it took me like an hour or something, I'm not sure. But the, the first one I think is more involved and has like more cool things like a miniature Eiffel Tower, which I don't know what it's used for, but it looks cool. <laughs> so you can check it out on Kickstarter now. It's on Kickstarter until August 2nd. So, yeah, like obviously the name yeah. Legacy makes sense yeah. in the context of like, <laughs> a, a, you know, your relatives and genealogy and all that. But I would say that's not necessarily the wisest name for a game yes. at this point, because the term <laughs> Legacy means a lot more in the scope of yeah. board games. And it's so I feel like if I see a game with the word Legacy in it at this point, I immediately have, you know, assumptions about it that in this case are definitely not true. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not on Board Game Geek, so maybe because it's not like quite the board game crowd, maybe it's... I don't oh, know. <laughs> okay, so who's publishing this? Um, it's published by Argyx Games, A-R-G-Y-X. So they make other escape room type games, like I guess augmented reality is what it's called, when it's m- mixed with like stuff on the internet. And I think they're f- French, so the game is in French and English. But yeah, so... I think they're more like a escape room type game company because they have a bunch of escape room type games and puzzle games rather oh, than neat, just then. board games. That's and they cool. also have some online puzzles and I think they have some free ones that you can try too. But yeah, so Argix Games and their newest one is Legacy Quest for a Family Treasure. So the subtitle helps there if you want look Googling for it. That's tr- definitely true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, well, I recently got to play a game that I backed on Kickstarter. I still haven't actually played the copy that arrived in the mail via Kickstarter, but (laughs) Ambi very kindly hopped on Tabletop Simulator with me and we found the official Tabletop Simulator mod for Bytes. Bytes is a board game that was published this year in 2020 by BoardGameTables.com. You all have heard me rave about other games from BoardGameTables.com in the past. I basically love just about every game they've published at this (laughs) point. Um, This game was designed by Brigitte Ditt and Wolfgang Ditt. And it is a two to five player game where there are five different colored ants and a long trail of food that leads up to an anthill. If you've ever played the game Deep Sea Adventure, when you lay everything out, it kind of looks like that. It's a big winding trail of individual pieces, and they just happen to be food. 
over the course of the game, everyone is moving all of the ants. You don't have an assigned color and you are collecting food tokens by moving ants along the trail and eventually putting all of the ants onto the anthill at the end of the trail. Where the ants end up on the anthill helps determine how the different pieces of food score at the end. So for instance, where the red ant ends up on the anthill determines how the red apples will score in your score pile at the end of the game. It's really simple mechanically, but where this game is interesting is there are four different types of cards. There's the anthill cards, the wine cards, the chocolate cards, and variant cards. And you draw one of each of those at the beginning of the game and they change the rules or the scoring in some unique way, as well as what some of the special tokens along the trail do when you can pick them up and use them. So Ambie and I played this twice and the two games were very different from one another. Mm, yeah. So what did you think about Bites, Ambie? I liked it. Uh, the first game actually reminded me a little bit of Paris Connection, which is a train game, because in the game you're you're gathering the colors of the ants that you want to score better. Um, and then in in the first game, the ant that hit the ant first was the lowest scoring, and then the one that hit last was the highest scoring. So you want the one that hits last, but then if you're taking more of that color, then the ant only travels on that color, so it will get to it faster. So you're trying to balance like taking the color away and then making sure the ant gets to the ant house. Yeah, we definitely, we had a couple of moments where we didn't realize like, oh no, wait, there are no more tokens of that color. So that ant's going yeah. to the ant hill. Yeah, it just don't, jumps right there. It's like, oh, that's not worth much. So yeah, that was neat. And then I liked the, the wine cards because they have like special scoring and they can get a lot of points from that. Yeah. I really enjoyed this as well. I think you and I both agreed that it feels like this game would be better with four or five players than it did it, it was with two. Yeah, or even at three. Yeah, yeah, three. I think I think honestly, it might yeah. be one of those games where like I I would guess the sweet spot might actually be four, but like three would be better than two for sure, and yeah. then four or five might be even better. Yeah, because of like the shared incentive, like because we each if we each had two breads, then. Like, we don't care about that because we're tied on that. <laughs> right. Yeah, there was no, like, it, it was harder to compete in certain areas. So then it was like, okay, so do I keep the same amount of things as the other person or do I just focus on something else? And there, it was less interesting as far as that's concerned. Um, I, like I said, I backed this on Kickstarter and own the physical game. And the components in the physical game, just like, almost every other game that Board Game Tables has published. <laughs> the production quality is amazing. Specifically, the food tokens are really unique in that they are made of cardboard, but they're dual layered cardboard. So like the apple looks like it has a little bite taken out of it. All of the pieces are thicker than you would expect and a little more nuanced because like parts of them are taken out on different sides. So they look mm. more 3D than you would expect cardboard tokens to be. And I think that's really neat and it's unique for a game like this. The ants are also really cute. And one of the special rule cards has uh, stuff about a zebra ant. So there's literally a zebra striped <laughs> ant in this game and it's adorable. <laughs> Yeah, we got that one. <laughs> so I, I'm very happy that I backed this on Kickstarter. Honestly, it kind of feels like at this point, almost any game that Board Game Tables is publishing, I'm interested in because so far I have liked every single game of theirs that I've tried. So nice. 
I'm happy that I got to play it even online, and I'm excited to be able to play the physical copy at some point in the future. So <laughs> that is Bytes. Way back in 2016, in episode 16, we covered party games. And you know what? That was a long time ago, and some really <laughs> awesome party games have come out since then. So I wanted to revisit this topic. Ambie, I would say it is probably a true statement that you and I both enjoy party games. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pam, true. what about you? What are you? What are your thoughts on party games? Um, yeah, I do. I don't play them typically with gaming groups, but I do play them mm -hmm. with my family a bit more because it's easier yeah. to get them on board with that, especially when it's a broad group. I have a couple cousins who are gamers, but my mom is certainly not. Um, <laughs> and uh, Just One actually works really well with that group. I actually introduced Just One to some coworkers of mine last year, and literally this week, one of the coworkers I introduced it to said that he taught it, he bought it and taught it to his family, and it's now all his kids want to play, like all the time. And I was like, I, it made me feel really neat. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like I gave them, a, you know, the information about a game that is giving them joy, and like that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I we don't have Just One, but it would probably have a similar response if we played it with people. <laughs> I think it feels like over the past, I mean, for the record, party games, well, I'm going to back up a second. What is a party game? Because technically, technically, you can play any board game at a party, but I would say that does not make every board game a party game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I think of a party game, um, it's usually like really easy to learn. And it's something that you don't have to really think hard to play. So you can just play it while hanging out with people, kind of. Yeah, I would say that you're, for a lot of them, it doesn't have to be your sole focus, even yeah. in the midst of the game. Now, some of there are, I think there are some party games that do require more focus, but I would say a lot of them, yeah, to your point, they're more casual, they're easy to learn. And I would mm -hmm. say another requirement not requirement, but I would say a vast majority of party games tend to accommodate a larger number of players than the average yeah. board game. Yeah, so like more than four or something. Right, like, <laughs> yeah, like, and even some of the games that, that handle the highest player counts, I would say are party games to some degree. Yeah, yeah, and I was thinking for the thinking part, yeah, a lot of the party games I like, you actually do have to think hard, but they're team games so you get a break between it so like code names or decrypto those when you're the clue giver you're really <laughs> thinking hard but then the other people can be like chatting about whatever and so yeah like, so it's like a switching off kind of thing or even in a game like word slam you're mm -hmm. like it's, it's intense for a couple of minutes <laughs> yeah. and, and then, then a break yeah. yeah and then you get a break and everybody can just kind of chit chat about mm -hmm. the the nonsensical intense thing that just happened <laughs> i love yeah. word slam and i haven't played it in so long oh my gosh i wonder i wonder if there's a way to play word slam online i'm adding that to my list of things to try and figure out <laughs> that one might be harder because yeah oh no i think it would be definitely be hard but it feels like it would be possible i don't know <laughs> I haven't tried that one, so I'll have to, I I'll have to check it, it out. is very much a love hate thing for certain people. <laughs> like I know people who hate Word Slam, but I adore it so much. 
It's basically like Pictionary with words. You get cards of words and you're putting okay. them together to... Yeah, but it's it's team-based, yeah, and it's there's team. one clue giver on each team, but they're both trying to get their teams to guess the same thing. So yeah. they both okay. look at what the thing is, and then everything happens simultaneously. So you're, you can only see the words that your clue giver is giving, but you can hear what the other team is saying in response to what they're <laughs> seeing. So it's really interesting yeah. because they're like, George Washington... Thomas Jefferson, and you're looking at, like, Lake Blue, whatever, and you're like, wait, what? Why? You know, like, and you're trying There's to connect no the dots. Here. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't right. make any sense, and then you find out, or whatever, like, it's, like, the Washington Monument or something. I don't know. Like, I just made all of that up literally in my head, so I don't Yeah, I'm not sure I want to play yeah. this with you. <laughs> I, I'm really good at words. <laughs> my friend Elissa and I get crazy intense when we play this game, and most of the people in our game group don't like it. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing I like about party games, especially if you're actually at a party or even a convention where there's a big group of people, is games that allow people to come in and out. So, mm, you know, yeah. I only have 15 minutes. They can play one round and then go on to their next thing and you have somebody new in. So you might you might start and end the game two hours apart with a completely different group of people <laughs> from beginning to yeah. end. Yeah, that's... We actually did that with Wavelength uh, at our last party, which was last year. <laughs> but, uh, we used it as like people were, it was a board game party, so everyone was a board gamer, but then people were coming in like people were late. So we had a couple people and then more people show up and we're just playing Wavelength while people are showing up and it worked really well. Yeah, I like that about party games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the casual nature of party games, and I would say party games also lend themselves generally to more silliness than the average board game. Some of my funniest moments in board gaming came from playing party games. Mm-hmm. So what are a couple of your all's favorite party games? So I already mentioned that I like Decrypto. I think that's one of my favorites now. And Wavelength is getting up there, but I haven't had the chance to play it that much. <laughs> but it would probably be up there if I did. Uh, and I also really like Monikers, which is, it's like Time's Up, which is basically like you're trying to get your team to guess a word, uh, but there's a pile of words. And the first round, you can say whatever you want. You're just describing the word. And then the second round, you use the same set of words that you're guessing, and you can only say one word each time. And then the third round, you can't say anything. You're just doing charades. But it's like the same word pile each time. So you, you as you play, you memorize the words kind of, and then you're just like guessing things. And pe- <laughs> there's inside jokes because you've connected it to something that's completely unrelated. <laughs> and so you're like charading something that's that's an inside joke. Yes, the meta that forms every single time you play this game is what makes yeah. it so funny. Because yeah. yeah, eventually things are never not related to... They're, they're related to previous clues instead of the thing itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah so funny i monikers is on my list for sure as well i really love it (laughs) yeah um i like uh i like catchphrase because i have some some very wonderful memories of playing it uh with we go have this crazy party for work and we have catchphrase tournament and people can get so mad and so silly it's (laughs) it's just it's a fantastic time so I, i really really like that one so I also really like Medium. I played it for the first time at Dice Tower West this year with mostly people I didn't know. 
And it's it was so fun because the couple people I did know at the table, we did terrible when we partnered up. And the people I had never met, we were like a bizarre psychic connection. It was just so hilarious. That game, it's one it does that thing to your brain where something should be entirely obvious and your brain just can't think of the thing at all. So yeah, you there's two cards that come up and you and another person each have to say a word based on those two cards and you want to match. I was playing this at uh, Meepleville, the local board game cafe here like last year. And the two cards that came up for me and another person were chips and cheese. And I was like, oh, this is easy. And so I said nachos and the other person said something entirely different. And then as soon as I said nachos, they went, oh, <laughs> like, they, like, of course it should be nachos. I don't remember. Whatever they said, it was just like, it didn't make any sense. And it was really funny though. And I would say that like these kind of like social games, you know, stuff like Catchphrase or Taboo, or for me, like Balderdash has been one of my faves for a really long time. Like those mm -hmm. kind of fall into one category. But for me, I also do kind of like Ambi, I like some social deduction style party mm -hmm. games as well. Like I think Deception Murder in Hong Kong, even though it's a little bit more intense of a game, like I think it's casual enough that, especially if you're playing with board gamers, that one is a really fun party game. Or I used to play, when I was younger, earlier in my board gaming career, we played One Night Ultimate Werewolf at parties a lot. Because it was so quick. It's 10 minutes and you're done. So we could play over and over if we wanted, or we could quit whenever. So that one was neat. I also think one that most people don't consider when they're talking about party games, a category is dexterity games. I think... Dexterity games work really well because of how casual they are. So things like Rhino Hero or Catch the Moon or Suspend, like they don't require a lot of brain power. They're even funnier if people have been having adult beverages, for instance, because <laughs> um, they get harder. And I think when people talk about party games, dexterity games tend to not get mentioned as much as they probably should be. Um, I mean, shoot, even games like Clask or Bonk, mm. they're basically like board game proxies of the types of games that you would find in a bar, like pool mm. or ping pong or darts or whatever. Yeah. Like it's that same style of game. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I played um, men at work at a convention. Oh, nice. It, again, with, with people I barely knew and yeah, it, it, you're right. It was very party ish because I never had a successful turn the entire time. <laughs> and no and nobody cared because it's that it's just that casual fun this isn't about winning this is just about the experience and uh yeah i'm terrible at that game but i loved it <laughs> it's hard yeah although in my mind men at work isn't is like too long for a party game i don't know <laughs> not when i'm I playing mean, <laughs> but i think it has a similar vibe so i guess it depends yeah. like if, if i'm at a party with board gamers that is something that i might pull out yeah, yeah. But like for me, with social deduction too, like One Night Ultimate Werewolf might be a party game. Okay. Um, it ha it does get confusing with all the roles though. Uh, but like The Resistance, which I like a lot, I don't really consider that a party game anymore <laughs> because uh, that one's longer and more involved and requires more thinking, I think. Because it's longer, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. so it, it requires everyone to like be in on it for a longer period of time, which is not really a party type 
vibe. Although I did play it at parties, so but like if everyone, <laughs> so it only works if everyone at the party is like into the game, right? So <laughs> right, which isn't the same for other party games. I mean, there have been a lot of good party games that have come out over the past year or two. Like we 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 talked about Wavelength already. Mm-hmm. Half Truth came out, which was made um, in collaboration with Ken Jennings, the Jeopardy champion, and it's a mm-hmm. trivia game that you don't actually have to know a lot of trivia to play. And then I got a review copy of Crossed Words from Stronghold Games here um, within the past few months. And that one's really fun as well. I've used that on Dice Tower Tonight a couple of times and had Eric in the chat play that. And Eric had us play it once too. So that one's fun. But it's kind of been a bummer because some of these party games, you know, I can't play them right now because can't meet up with people because of the pandemic. So which of these games, either ones we've already talked about or ones maybe that we haven't mentioned yet, work best when to play remotely? Because I think right now a lot of people might go, oh, we can't play party games because we can't meet up. But there are some games that work really well over Zoom or Skype or some other mm-hmm. um, digital communication channels. So we mentioned code names briefly. Uh, there's now a official website where you can play Codenames online at codenames.games. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and I actually think, I mean, I'm, I'm partial to this game anyway, but I think Just One actually works okay. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've played it, I've actually played it with, with you, Crystal, and Eric, although neither of you would ever know, because I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't watching, I wasn't watching the episode while it was live. I watched it later. Oh, nice. So I like just, I didn't look at the word. So I guessed based on the clues mm. rather oh, than giving cool. clues. And so I'm like, well, if I can do this completely asymmetrically, I'm sure this would work with actual <laughs> in person on Zoom or something. You know, yeah, you just have to yeah. follow the rules and not look and that sort of thing. But uh, I've actually, um, during the pandemic, played just one with my family back in Missouri over Zoom. Nice. Um, and they really liked it. So that was pretty cool. I've mentioned the game that's currently on Kickstarter. I don't know for how much longer. French Toast, which is coming out. Um, It's the one I got to try the prototype of at PAX Unplugged. And there is a web implementation of that game that you can play right now as well. FrenchToastGame.com. And that works really well also. But yeah, basically any game where the visual aspects of the game aren't as important or only like one person can control them. So even wavelength, you can technically play as long as one person can have a phone or a camera pointed at the, the board. Yeah. And they just move the dial for the other people. Yeah. I'm, I'm planning to try a fake artist goes to New York because I've used it. I've used it at work to kick off a new project. Okay. So like the the word will be something related to whatever project we're going to do. And I want to see if I can do that like on a Google Jamboard or something. And... Oh, so like having people draw think, on yeah. their computers. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think to... also Zoom you can draw on yes, something. You, you yep, do a whiteboard, you're right. right? There is a whiteboard in Zoom as well, I believe. So oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to so, Yeah, the drawing games it. might work, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Well... Basically, party games are awesome, and you can still play them even if you can't get together with your friends in person. But we would love to hear some of our listeners' favorite party games, especially if they are ones we did not mention in the episode. So hit us up on social media and let us know what your favorite party games are, especially if they are ones that are good to play remotely, because you know we're looking for those right now. 
And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. During July, get 20% off your order of all non-exclusive items sold at GreatFoxGames.com by entering the promo code SUMMERBLITZ at checkout. Since we're in a party game mood, we recommend grabbing a copy of Draw Your Own Conclusions, a cooperative drawing game that requires no real art skills. Gray Fox Games. Quality games cleverly crafted. Support our show and get cool perks for as little as $1 a month by visiting patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. As a patron, you'll get access to pre-edit recordings and our private Slack channel, where you can chat with us and other Blitzketeers every day. Quick shout out to the following Blitzketeers who have written iTunes reviews about the show over the past few months. Ray H, A. Kingsley, Mortalibur, Adrian D, and the Hanson Twins. Y'all rock! Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mouth. Boardgameblitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time... I got my friends here, we'll open the box, you know we're gonna laugh and play. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a party, party, party game. Bye, everyone. Bye. We are doing a, wait, I just realized. No, we haven't decided how people yeah. are entering. <laughs> I, just, I just realized that too. As I was saying it, I was like, I have no idea what to tell people. Talking and charades and talking. In three rounds. <laughs> I'm sure that was a very clear explanation that everyone understood. Maybe I should start over. It's quality games cleverly crafted. <laughs> As a patron, you'll get access to pre-edit. Oh, come on. I got rid of unedited. I know. I know, but when I was skipping through it, I didn't notice that you did that. <laughs> I was trying to be helpful. Okay. <laughs> Recordings and our private Slack channel. Which are you, we're, <laughs> now I can't read where. <sighs> Legacy quest for a fl- <laughs> <laughs>